Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing really well. How about yourself? Doing very well, thank you. Yeah, it's grey and misty here. Yeah. Beautiful autumnal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've had some lovely autumn days. Either, Either, well, crisp. It's often a word you use to describe an autumn day, right? Crisp. crisp, yeah. Some nice sunny ones and some uh, some slightly more gloomy ones, but I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like seeing the tree, the leaves slowly start to turn. Maybe it's because Arkham came out in the autumn as well. But there's something about the weather getting a bit colder. It's like, ooh, get cozy at the game table with a refreshing game of Arkham. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> refreshing's not. A, what about a what, what's the equivalent? Grueling, of yeah. <laughs> Hot chocolate, that's what you want. Soothing. Or a, yeah, or nourishing. A, or a, or a well, barely nourishing. Yeah. Exactly, a delicious soup. Yeah. Morning broth. And we're also at this weird time as well of the maybe a preview season about to start. We've seen some previews around and about. So that's exciting as well. Just to sort of see Arkham rear its head at the moment. Indeed, What yes. are we talking about today? We're doing another, another investigator-specific episode. We love doing these. Ah, yeah, we do. We do. We've got enough to get through, so why yes. not do another? Who are we talking about, Frank? Yeah, good good question. So it is a man. Yes. It is a, a white man. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them in Arkham. He can take guardian cards. Yeah. Three intellect, four combat. Sounding, start to sound familiar. Can take seeker cards. Yeah. It's Roland Banks. <laughs> So who are we actually talking about? Yeah, normally it's a good joke, but this time we really are talking about Roland Banks. Wait. The Fed. What? Roland what? Banks the Fed? Surely dun, not. Dun, dun. Yeah, we're talking about Roland Banks the Fed. We've decided that it's time. We have an ongoing joke that Roland doesn't exist and that the course <laughs> only came out with four <laughs> investigators. But we're going to talk about that magical fifth investigator that people keep asking us about and that we keep denying we've ever heard of. So, yeah, we're going to dive in and talk about Roland Banks. As a little celebration, you might be able to see what episode number this is, listener, if you take a look. We thought, what better way to celebrate than to do an investigator-specific episode for Roland? Do you want to read us the front of his card, Peter? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of pressure to get our takes warmed up to the the appropriate piping hot temperature mm, uh, mm-hmm. just because particularly of the, the... how new this character is <laughs> <laughs> just just because of the the length of time that's that he's been around and also how long we've been building up talking about him mm, so yeah wow i'll dive in with a due sense of trepidation uh, we have roland banks the fed he has three willpower three intellect four combat and two agility he has the agency and detective traits then he has a reaction ability. After you defeat an enemy, discover one clue at your location. Limit once per round. His Elder Sign effect is plus one for each clue on your location. He has nine health and five sanity. Everything by the book. Every I dotted, every T crossed. It had worked. Until now. And he has, he has the distinction of being the first card in the core set. So he's mm-hmm. Arkham card, you know, set one, number one. For many people, he's their number one as well Absolutely, over the course of yeah. the game. Yeah. Do we want to talk a bit about the front of him or should we look at the back or what? Let's look at the back and then we can 
return to the front and that ability and those stats. So his yeah. deck size is 30. Deck building options. I can't believe we're reading this out as though no one knows. But he's Guardian card 0 to 5, Seeker 0 to 2, Neutral 0 to 5. And his deck building requirements are Roland's 38 special, cover up, and one random basic weakness. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm ready for these piping hot takes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to start with something really mundane, which is that it, yeah, it, it always confused me that, well, it didn't confuse me. I was always puzzled over the meaning of the weakness cover up mm. because the, the, the stereotypical view would be, or the, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the kind of trope would be the detective who thinks there's a conspiracy to cover things mm-hmm. up, like a kind of Mulder, Fox Mulder yeah. style, right? But it's not mm-hmm. quite what's going on with Roland, which is that he's covering things up because he thinks no one else will believe him. Yes. Roland yeah. knew he would have to handle this one himself. It's actually a really curious angle for the character. Because mm. I think people do assume that he is this by-the-book character because mm-hmm. his flavour says everything by the book and that he's sort of straight up and down, get behind me, I'll defend you. But of course his five sanity and his story on the back of his card actually point to the fact that he's kind of fraying at the edges. Mm. He's finding things difficult. And what he's normally relied on, the confidence that being in the FBI has given him, he can't rely on anymore. That's part of why his sanity is so low. It's like there's nothing in the handbook that tells him how to deal with what he's facing. So he's a little bit like that character archetype in some horror films that's the sort of slightly crazed character who's like, no one will believe me. It's the much more paranoid rather than... Uh, the kind of typical hero character who's stoic and who isn't flap flapped by anything. Roland is very <laughs> flappable, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So what about that stat line? Yeah. Three, I mean three, it's four two. Yeah, it's it's not far off four threes, isn't it? It's pretty it's pretty mm-hmm. even all the way across. Yeah. And interesting to see a well, he's got a combat of four, which puts him in the lower bracket of Guardians with fight, right? Yeah. And he's also got an intellect of three, which actually puts him in the upper bracket of... I think there was only... Only Carolyn's got a higher intellect. And then he's level mm-hmm. with, I think, Tommy and Leo when I looked it up the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And Wilson to come out. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, he can make a... With a, with a couple of stat boosts, he can make a decent fist of all tests, except for agility, really. With a, with a mm-hmm. couple of icons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Puts him up to five or six. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think I said to you in our pre-episode chat a couple of days ago, it's fascinating. We can't really do this for the purposes of this cast, but if we could go back in time and take snippets of us talking about Roland throughout the history of the cast, I imagine that our attitudes would have ebbed and flowed. When you get this character in the core set, four fight, he's comfortably the best fighter, and you're like, great, nine health, four fight, he's our fighter. And now since the game has developed and we've seen Nathaniel and Mark, you've seen, you know, even Daniela, you've seen five fight guardian characters. And obviously you can argue about whether Daniela is, but you've seen these five fight characters out there, even Tony, and suddenly the four fight isn't as important. And yeah. like you say, it's only one point different off the kind of even Stevens stat line. Mm. And Roland is probably the argument for that position that actually having rounded rounded stats can be really useful in the game and having rounded stats particularly playing solo can be good yeah because when you play as Roland 
you've got a good chance of, say, with a guts, getting rid of a rot, uh, passing a rotting remains or getting rid of a frozen in fear. You've got a good chance with a take the initiative of passing a tough agility test. So you can even rely on what are, in theory, your weaker stats. Yeah. And then, yeah, as you, exactly as you said, with a few boosts, Intellect 3 can work for you and Combat 4 can work for you. I think what it does do is that it, yeah, it, it, it drives you to need assets in order to reliably pass tests, and particularly yeah. assets with some static boosts on. Like, it's hard to reliably fight without having a weapon down as Roland. Yeah. Like, it, as soon as you find a three-fight a three fight enemy, mm-hmm. you're only one over that. Yeah. And three-fight is... Probably not punching, punching an acolyte. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So three-fight is... And his three-fight is not, like, a big, high stat score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should be chuckling at three-fight as a guardian. Yeah. So he, he, he needs those assets, is, is, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And I think, like... I don't know, maybe there was a perception early on that Roland needed a load of cash, and I think that's probably driven by him needing lots of assets, which is driven by mm-hmm. his pretty kind of even but relatively low stat line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really nice point. Yeah, you're, you're having to play various things down to build him up to a point where you feel that you can do things reliably, and Guardian is one of the classes, I'm not saying anything revelatory here, that has lots of expensive assets. You know, weapons are three or four cost normally. If you're playing a, an asset like a beat cop, that's another four resources. So it's expensive. And yeah, I I don't think we start a ticker for every every time I say back in the mist of time, but there's probably going to be various <laughs> mentions. That original standard play of Roland was, yeah, you got your beat cop down and you got your machete down and then you were fighting at a six. And that was reasonable, and you might commit skills to boost yourself higher, an unexpected courage or an overpower, but you needed to get to that sort of six before you felt comfortable. Yeah. And that was the go-to. You kind of didn't want to play an ally that didn't help you with that, because that was so important to get to that reliable point. I would say, fascinatingly, over the course of the game, there's been this push-pull between is your level zero guardian ally, guard dog or beat cop, and... It's been really interesting seeing the resurgence of Guard Dog as a, hey, this is just three points of damage that I give out for free, as long as I can take the hits. And the need for the static combat boost has become less important. But back you know, back when we played Dunwich, Beat Cop 2 is essential. Yes. That's essential Whippoorwill killing Whipper tech. Whippoorwill killing tech, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then I can't remember the last time I played Beat Cop 2. It's really sort of fallen away for me. And I'm sure that I'm not. It's not that I see everyone say, "Well, your deck could really do with Beat Cop." I suppose I play Greta Wagner instead, get the combat boost that way. Yeah, and and, and Greta buffs up your cluing abilities, so you might go Beat Cop if you were in a larger team and there was less pressure mm-hmm. on on clue collection. Yeah, we we actually yeah. had we we played with uh, you play Mark, who's using Gret, mm-hmm. and that yeah. bandages build in Vincent, <laughs> just constantly restocking Gret. That would work mm, pretty yeah. nicely with, with B-Cop as well, wouldn't it? B-Cop yeah, that would. Two, yeah. You made a really interesting point as well when we were chatting ahead of time about that three intellect and that, you know, three intellect is not not bad. Yeah. You're not thinking, okay, fine, I'm just going to clue without any support. But with a few static boosts like a magnifying glass, you can get to a reasonable level. But of course, 
one of the reasons why people don't do that in Roland is his reaction ability. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Did I say something like it's it's ironic that his intellect is middling and could potentially be useful when he has an inbuilt ability that gathers clues? Yeah, exactly. Imagine this reaction ability on Daniela, who has one intellect and five oh, combat. God, that'd be so good. <laughs> if I ever do a competition of, you know, a, a investigator stat line ability swapping, that would be a powerful one. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the ability, it's very straight up and down. Kill an enemy, get a clue. You can do it once around. <laughs> what do we need to say about this ability? Yeah, it's it's real good. Uh, it, it does drive one of the main things about Roland, which is that he needs enemies to really mm-hmm. like start triggering stuff because it's very tempting to build into that ability and put other stuff in that either drops clues, like me, <laughs> or, or mm. it, it'll trigger other things on defeating enemies or, or on picking up clues or, or stuff like that, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or on manipulating enemies to be in the right place. But it's mm-hmm. it's yeah, such a such a like automatic clues is good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah. And it's tied to something that you probably need to be doing, which is defeating enemies. Mm-hmm. It's just just all round a really good ability, I think. And yeah. I think it did. Does it make him especially attractive in solo? Is it absolutely reduces absolutely. some of the pressure on your? deck slots in order to have like clue emergency buttons Mm -hmm. we've talked before about when we were walking around the river here and we were talking about the way in which enemies in Arkham are a roadblock we were talking about Earthborn Rangers but it applies here and what Roland does is he actually still makes progress on the scenario even by dealing with roadblocks enemies which is such a switch if you think about a two-player game, you might have someone who's definitely focused on getting clues and making progress, and then someone else who's maybe doing encounter management, and part of their role is remove the obstacles from my cluer so that they can get the clues and we can make progress. Yeah. And Roland flips that on his head because he says, well, I'll deal with the obstacle and I will be helping us make progress for doing so, which is just great. And exactly as you say, if you fill your deck with weapons and things that deal with enemies, in any other investigator... If you don't use those things or you don't draw an enemy, they're basically dead cards. But in Roland, it's worthwhile. Oh, Elder Sign Effect. Let's oh, not yeah, forget okay, the Elder yeah, Sign Effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Plus one for each clue on your location. Yeah. It can be a cheeky treachery pass. You're at a two or three clue location and you don't commit anything and then you suddenly pass. But it's not one to bank on, unfortunately. Bank on... See what we did there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Let's jump on. Uh, I think I'm on the asset and you're on the weakness. Uh, yep. Yep. So we have a unique card here. It is Roland's 38 Special. It's a three cost asset. It has a combat, an agility, and a wild icon. And it has the item, weapon, and firearm traits. Roland Banks deck only uses four ammo. Action, spend one ammo. Fight. You get plus one combat for this attack. If there are one or more clues on your location, this gets plus three combat instead. This attack deals plus one damage, and it uses a hand slot. Mm-hmm. This is super, like, it's a basic, right? It's it's a 45, mm-hmm. but with... One fewer cost. One fewer cost, better icons, and the additional boost if there are clues on your location. Which is nice. The, the, the boost especially is nice, because Roland needs a boost. 
to his combat, yeah. really. So this mm-hmm. puts you up to seven, which mm-hmm. is a is a pretty generous uh or should be okay fighting most stuff with a with a fight value of seven. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got that aforementioned beat cop down, you're an eight, which yeah. is a very nice place to be. You're kind really of chuckling at that point. Yes. But aside from that, just it's four uses, two damage. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty mm-hmm. pretty standard really. I think it feeds into what you said about you want to fill your deck with ways of dealing with enemies so that you can make the most of Roland's reaction ability. Mm-hmm. And it also feeds into this idea that for Roland, positioning really matters. Yes, 100%. You don't want to end your turn on a location with no clues. One, because you then draw an enemy and you won't get your reaction ability for killing it. And two, if your weapon is this 38 special, you won't be getting the good boost. I mean, you still get a plus one, but why not try and get the plus three? So positioning really matters for Roland. Thematically, it's like he's sleuthing around. He's going to the places where he can find information, which I like. And in gameplay terms, it's a really good lesson, I think. Like, again, another reason why I think he's good to play as solo is he makes you really be switched on about that sort of thing and think about it. Think, all right, I'm going to be really deliberate with my moving around, which is anyway a good habit to get into. But he gives you multiple reasons to be really deliberate. I, my memory is the classic 245 automatic, two machete, and then you get the special anyway. <laughs> yeah. So you've got yeah, a suite of five, five weapons, yeah. good for your mulligan, you're going to have one in your opening hand. And he, I, I suppose he helps in that way as well. You can see how he's a starter, not a literal starter, but he's one of the original investigators that you're not being forced to kind of go above and beyond to try and find enough for him. It's like, yeah, he comes with a weapon. You should be able to find it. It makes, for instance, adding extra ammo good because you get a nice boost for it. Yeah. And so on and so forth. And when you're playing with your old single core set, at least you've got three weapons in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we've been there. You know, that was a time when that was a thing. So absolutely. Meanwhile, his weakness is cover up. It's task treated. Revelation, put cover up into play in your threat area with three clues on it. Reaction, when you would discover one or more clues at your location, discard that many clues from cover up instead. Forced, when the game ends, if there are any clues on cover up, you suffer one mental trauma. Now, mental trauma touches on something which we haven't discussed yet, which let's put a pin in and come back to. Mm -hmm. This was a classic card. It seems pretty rough on first read, doesn't it? Mm. But mm-hmm. but just a few things to bear in mind. Uh, investigators at your location can trigger the reaction ability. Yeah. And it's a reaction ability, not a forced ability, so you can pick when you would resolve that effect. Mm-hmm. However, you can't trigger it at all if there's no clues at your location. Yes. So you do need at least one clue. If you even have one clue, you can clear this, right? Because you can just be mm-hmm. like... Investigate, uh, well, investigate, yeah. investigate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> kill enemy, kill enemy, kill enemy. Although not in the same turn, obviously. It does stay in, doesn't discard, does it? So it's not one of those weaknesses that will get shuffled back into your deck. Once it's in play, mm. it's in play. But you can end up in a really difficult situation where you found all the clues. <laughs> um, yes. Or it's a weird scenario and it doesn't deal with clues in the usual way. And you can end mm. up like just shafted by this. Uh, yeah. And then you take a trauma. Yeah. Shortness of time, I think, is the main reason I've struggled with this weakness. Mm. That yeah, I draw this the turn before I was going to do, you know, action move, action resign. And it's like, oh, for goodness sake. 
unless you've got ways of multi-cluing, it's going to be three more actions. Maybe I don't have enough time or maybe there's a <laughs> ball of enemies chasing me or whatever it is. And it's like, oh, that's so nasty. Like Skids' weakness, hospital debts, it's one of those ones where if it arrives late, you could just be messed up by it and there's nothing you can do, which is really mean. And I guess also shows the sort of the youthful design where as the game has developed, there are fewer weaknesses, I would say, that have that that kind of punishment. Yeah. If you mess up, they're a bit, bit less binary. If nothing else, it, it, it doesn't do anything when you're playing standalone, does it? You could just ignore it totally, no. which yeah. is always yeah, like... Yeah, like weakness. Yeah, yeah or um, Preston as well, it's the same. Yeah, you just like, okay, fine. I think what you said as well about if as long as there's one clue, you can clear this. Mm-hmm. I really like the synergy between his special, his ability, and cover-up. It's not the opposite, where cover-up wants there to be no clues and those things want clues. They actually all feed into the same thing, which is Roland wants locations with clues. Yes. And if you were to lean into any kind of butterfingers play of being able to drop clues, that helps you turn on the special, gives you a use of Roland's ability, and gives you a way of clearing cover-up. Yeah. So like, I really like the design there, where it's actually kind of pushing you down... A, a similar avenue. I think it feels so rough to waste one of Roland's activations on this, though, because I don't think Roland mm. gets a huge number of activations over the course of the game. No. And to waste up to three of them on this, it feels really rough. Mm. Mm-hmm. I wonder whether it should be like one eye instead of three clues or something. In multiplayer, you might be running a seeker who can get six, seven clues in a round comfortably. Yes. <laughs> if they're Rex, or, you know, nowadays, other Seekers as well. So they might be very happy to clear this in an action or two. Yeah. And, and that's fine. They might, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, it still feels tough when you're using your yeah. multi-clue, multi-clue tools mm-hmm. to clear cover. Because you've got to think of those in terms of actions spent. Yeah. You're at least three actions on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you're putting it, or you're pumping in a load of resources to it as well. Yeah. Early in the game, there were two ways of getting clues, sort of multi-clue. One is deduction, and the other really is working a hunch, where for one action you can get two clues as long as you're willing to play working a hunch as well. And I've gone back and forth on which I like to run in Roland. If I'm going to be doing any normal investigating with Roland, maybe you want the deduction to get the one one icon boost and get two clues, and of course it helps with cover-up. But then you can flip that on its head and say, well, you can just get a clue quickly with working a hunch. And fast clues are even better than even taking a test. And I think I've seen other players do the same thing. Do you keep your working a hunches almost for when you just want to either clear a location quickly and reposition or when cover up appears and you're like, oh, my goodness, I really need to clear this because I don't want the mental trauma and I'm going to spend all of these cards and resources. But like you say, whatever way you do it, it's taxing you quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of mental trauma... Yeah, well, I was going to come on to this. Do, do you want to lead or can do. I? No, no, go ahead. So, so yeah, this I guess this has long been one of the... It, it's interesting in, in Arkham where your health and sanity, you can't swap between them, right? So you can't really take... Just keep on taking things on the chin. Like, you have to deal with... I don't think I'm making sense. You can't be like, well, okay, I've got a low sanity, but I'll make up for it by taking a lot of hits with my with my high yeah. health, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But it doesn't work like that. If you've got five sanity, you've got five sanity. It's just a weakness yeah. of your character. 
Yeah, yeah. I will choose to take this three horror hits <laughs> yes. as damage. Yeah, yeah. No, you can have as much damage it. like as you left as you'd like, as much health left as you'd like. Uh, if you've yeah. taken taken five horror as Roland, that's it. You're out of the game. So I think when you look at what scenarios are willing to do, three is probably the upper end of like a like a hard hit in terms yeah. of damage or horror. If you took three damage or horror, you'd be like... Curtain Call has said, hold, hold my beer with its 100 horror cannot be cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> but you might... But yes, yeah, but, yeah, yeah you're, the, you're you completely know, right. The biggest enemy would do three damage or, or three horror or both. You know, a, yeah. a, a bad treachery might do three horror at, at, its, at its top end. Yeah. Two feels pretty bad as well, and one is feels pretty standard. Mm-hmm. But you look at the classic Rotting Remains which is a three difficulty, or, or grasping hands, obviously, to a three difficulty test and then deals one damage or horror for each one you fail by. Mm-hmm. So you pull that, you pull the eldest, uh, the you pull the tentacles, that's three damage or three horror off those two te- treacheries. Mm-hmm. Once, If that happens once with Roland or with anyone with a five mm-hmm. stat, then another bad-ish treachery finishes you off. Yeah. So that's... A bad yeah, treachery a medium, and a bad-ish. A medium finishes you yeah, off. A, yeah. a bad treachery yeah. and a medium treachery that you fluff. And sometimes, you know, those treacheries d- deal two horror or two damage. Just there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We were playing a Scarlet Keys scenario the other day, and there's one which is take a damage and a horror and then repeat this if a certain condition is met, which it had been. Yeah. So two damage and two horror. You're like suddenly, oh, okay, I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which hap- yeah. I think happened the first time we played that scenario. So, oh yeah, I'm just dead now. Yeah, sniped. Rewind to what I said about you know, well, he does have a three willpower and he can pass those tests. And the reality of playing Roland solo or multiplayer is, yes, you might have a decent willpower, but your sanity is so low. Yes, that the fear of failure is so much greater There's than no the margin chance forever. of success. Yeah, yeah. You haven't known <laughs> true fear in Arkham until you're trying to take a willpower test on what is supposedly a reasonable middling willpower, but your sanity is piddling. Yeah. That is really something. If I can take, can I can I do a classic Peter sidetrack into a totally different game? Please, episode three hundred. I could do what I want. Do whatever you right, like. The rest of it yeah. is going to be about Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> So th- there's yeah. a everyone who had Peter talks about Dark Souls on their bingo card. <laughs> I mentioned another one of my favourite topics, which is one of my favourite YouTube video essayists, Noah Gervais. He, in, in his video about Dark Souls, he makes the point that it's a common criticism that the Dark Souls games don't have a difficulty level, mm-hmm. but in his view, they sort of do because you can level up your character and you can just grind souls out, level up your character and invest points in making different areas of the game easier you can make your character do more damage every time they hit you can make them roll further and crucially you Mm -hmm. can give them more health the way to think about the health bar is that it absorbs mistakes you made Mm -hmm. yeah it's a failure buffer right yes so if you can dodge all of the attacks your enemy makes and you you don't make any mistakes you could just have one health point you know ultimately Mm -hmm. because you don't need it at all and those points could go elsewhere. You can say that a good offense is that the good offense is a sorry, best defense is a good offense because you're killing yeah. enemies more quickly before they have a chance to damage you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's th- that health bar. Point I was going to make was that that health bar is a, is a buffer against failure, and mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. sanity, 
Roland has a very low buffer against any kind of failure, which forces you to invest heavily in those in those tests, which would mm-hmm. result in, say, horror being dealt to you. And it could be quite card intensive. And this applies to everyone with a 9-5 or a 5-9 start line, right? Yeah, yeah. So you feel the fear. Yeah. That that then encourages you to to take buffers, to take healing, or to really stock up on ways to pass those tests or avoid the the horror being dealt in the first place. And mm. with cover up, once you take a trauma, you know you've just made it even even harder for yourself. You know the yeah. the one the one big treachery. Then you need any source of horror will finish you off at that point. And as we've seen, there are plenty of cards that are like you know if this condition is met, take horror. And then the card itself doesn't do very much. And I'd say even that the game, as it's grown, we've seen more and more effects that are like this sort of chip damage. You think about in Edge of the Earth, Frost Tokens, just adding a like a hit randomly at different times, depending on the test you're taking. And yeah, something like, I think, Circle Undone has some mean hits that just happen. Yeah. You know, draw the third version of this treachery, everyone takes damage or horror. There's a sense of that's a good way of challenging investigators. I suppose it's a good way as well of emphasising that healing does have a place, even if it's much maligned. Yeah, yeah. You could plan to have lots of cards that you commit to your willpower tests to pass treacheries, but if you draw the tentacle and take three horror, having an option to mitigate that after the fact, or soak, is really important. Yeah, we're playing a campaign at the moment which has got Mark, who also has a 9-5 stat line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Vincent, yeah. and we've got damage healing on lockdown because Vincent is amazing. Mm-hmm. But horror healing, you, you see that in that in that campaign is a bit more, a bit trickier. We've both got ways of healing it, but we're a lot more hesitant. It doesn't take much to put you, especially with player Mark, in a, in a perilous position. Mm. So we could be very sensitive about having more than two horror sitting on Mark. I have a, obviously shell shock as a weakness in Mark depending on how much I've been using Mark's ability and damaging myself, suddenly means I could just kill myself with my own deck. So you have to be really careful. It's it's not like cover-up where you can say, right, well, this doesn't actually do anything and I can clear it. It's, oh, I've actually killed myself. So, yeah, I'm super cautious as Mark. And people have heard me play on Think On Your Feet as Mark. There's a, I really enjoy that game of toggling how much damage am I taking and have I seen Shellshock yet. Yeah, yeah. so for Roland to name some specific cards then, obviously Soak matters. And then back in the day, I remember even eyeing First Aid just as a way of if the sanity has got really scary, you need something to keep you alive. But then more recently, I remember Logical Reasoning being really important. Logical Reasoning can obviously clear a terror, which you might need, but also heal yourself up which is really good. I want to mention another card at this point as well, if I may, which is Forewarned. Oh, yeah. Forewarned, I think, is a sleeper hit in Roland. That's nice. I like it. I always wanted that card to be good, but it never quite lands with me. (laughs) Drop a clue, cancel a treachery, or cancel a revelation effect. It does what Roland wants it to do, which is get a clue on a location he needs. And it's also a way of cancelling either that Ancient Evils or a really threatening horror-dealing treachery. Yeah. Particularly in solo, I've played that quite a lot, and I really, really like it. Just as a, yeah, I need, I need this protection, I need this panic button. And it it feeds into what you suggested, which is you could end up committing a lot of cards to willpower tests to try and make sure you stay alive, and having just a much more efficient solution like Forewarned 
is really nice. Any cards that jump out for you as Roland staples or cards that you've really enjoyed putting in Roland? Yeah, I mean, ages ago I built a quick study Roland deck and mm. it didn't quite have the support it needed to take off. But I replayed that style recently when we went through Scarlet Keys the first time with you on Trish, mm-hmm. where we, I think we've talked about that playthrough quite a bit. We accidentally created a top tech team for, <laughs> yeah, for, for, for the, for the campaign. But it, that style of dropping clues and picking them back up and doing stuff with that, uh, like using press pass and quick study and a few of the cards that research notes, yeah, research yeah. notes as well. That really felt like considering how much of that that style's always been around somewhat. Quick study was actually in the game pretty early, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Let's say the first couple of cycles, maybe. I think it's TFA would be my guess. Yeah. So that style has been around, and and you're always keen to say that. Yeah, you, you've been able to do this kind of thing for a while. I think with the Scarlet Keys, that really solidified and became quite a potent, maybe too potent style in certain <laughs> investigators. But in Roland, I think it really. It feels so Rolandy, is what I was was, yeah. was 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 trying to say. Feels like it's it's the way he could have worked all along. Um, it's really nice ability. Just seems to work well. And actually, building into that, and this is a much more generically useful card in Roland, is of course on the hunt. Mm-hmm. Really nice to see an upgrade to that card as well, because for a man who only has five sanity and therefore wants a measure of treachery protection and mm-hmm. also wants enemies to kill ticks two big boxes at once and on the hunt level three is also an econ card which helps them play Mm. all those assets like it's just could have been written with roland in mind right yeah roland is on the hunt yeah and thematically it fits as well because he's hunting down mythos beasties to to cover Mm. up the their existence yes yeah those are probably some of my big hits Mm. Mm. and you've probably got a longer list actually you mentioned about five different archetypes of roland that you played (laughs) And I just remembered another one as you were talking, actually, related to sanity. So, Malison is a sleeper great Roland ally. It ties into what you said with that level of encounter deck control. So, having Malison down rather than your beat cop as a way of dropping a clue, redrawing a nasty treachery, maybe drawing into an enemy is really nice. And obviously, Malison's soak is really decent. Mm-hmm. And that then reminded me of the Calling in Favors art student, Roland. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is a really nice style. Play an art student, get a clue. Kill an enemy, get another clue. If you take horror, put it on the art student because it doesn't matter. Yes. The art student has one health, two sanity. That's a really fun style and actually leads into, if you're playing Calling in Favours and searching your deck, you can also run Practice Makes Perfect and search the top nine cards of your deck. And if you're not running a beat cup or a stat boost, you really want to be running your Perceptions over Powers which are both practiced and practice makes perfect to fetch them and get multiple plays out of them. Mm. And if you're doing that, you can then put astounding revelation in your deck. So you're doing like calling in favors and practice makes perfect are two different ways of searching your deck. And as you search your deck, you keep getting resources from it. So that is a, a really fun kind of um, fast and light Roland rather than the more I build up a whole board and keep going. It's much more skill-based. I'd add to that as well, that Brian David Sandberg has actually done a version of that deck, but with, wow, this is Disc of Examiner. Nice. <laughs> like a Disc of Examiner recursion build. I can't remember quite how it all fit together, but it was a similar thing with Practice Makes Perfect. And yeah, recurring Disc of Examiner to keep 
damaging enemies and replaying the disc. I'm, I'm missing a piece in my head. I'll have to look it up or put the, <laughs> put the link in the show notes. Really cool Roland style that plays on that idea of if you can take practice makes perfect and you can take overpower and deduction and perception, you've got a lot of recurrable skills. Yeah. So why wouldn't you? Yeah. Other card I want to shout out that, I mean, it's a pretty good card, Pathfinder. <laughs> Hot take, Pathfinder's a good card, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Shortcut as well, of course. Shortcut is probably actually more important. Pathfinder you can't use when you have an enemy on you. Shortcut yeah. you can. Yeah, Shortcut to get into the place where the enemies... Oh, oh sorry, to, to move the enemies to the place where the clues are is, is really hot tech. Yeah. You can even do a thing of draw an enemy, play scene of the crime and get a couple of clues, and then Shortcut somewhere else and kill that enemy and get another clue there. And you can suddenly get lots of clues very quickly as Roland and feel like you're really motoring. And yeah. I feel like when he gets that kind of roll on it's really strong yeah yeah was there any others in my list i mean i talked about a kievis roland yeah you mentioned Kiavis. the magical yeah. poking stick oh enchanted blade yeah being yeah. like the machete replacement yeah when machete was tabooed yeah enchanted blade is a really nice go to it's plus two combat if you need it to be so that's really nice given what you've said about his combat yeah now there are actually multiple versions of Roland. <laughs> He's oh, yes, the of most yeah. multipled. Yeah. <laughs> We've decided mind. that we're not going to talk about parallel Roland in this episode. Not today. And maybe we'll talk about parallel investigators at another time. Or we haven't even added them to our list of investigator specific episodes because I don't know about you, but I feel kind of weird about the parallels of, I guess, because they don't come out in a specific product. They're, you have to kind of get them printed yourself. They're a bit halfway in my own head. Anyway, there was a product that you could buy, which was the Dirge of Reason, Roland's novella. So we should probably talk about novella Roland. Yeah. Because some of what novella Roland offers is pretty cool. So if you're not familiar with the novellas, they're obviously (laughs) a novella that feature a specific Arkham character. And then with the novella, they would come out with an alt art version of the investigator and usually with replacement signatures. Replacements, you can either run the replacement instead of the original, or you can run both. And if you run both, you have to run the replacement weakness as well as the original weakness, and the replacement good card as well as the original good card. Can I read Mysteries Remain? Uh, Yes, of course you can. So this, instead of or alongside the 38 special, it's a zero-cost event, combat, intellect, and wild icons. It's insight traded, Roland Banks deck only replacement, fast, play only during your turn, either place one clue from the token bank on your location, or discover one clue at your location, remove mysteries remain from the game. What do you make of that, Peter? It's such a weird card. <laughs> like, it's nice to find a clue at your location. Mm-hmm. It's a zero cost working a hunch. Yeah, it's a zero cost working a hunch with... Better icons? Yes, better icons. Mm, mm-hmm. So that's good. But like putting a clue from the token bank on your location, that's just such a... feels like kind of an icky effect. Feels like it breaks things. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Give, gives gives me the ick. Uh, interesting. I like it for helping with cover-up. But of course, I run this mainly when I don't have cover-up in my deck. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ooh, this will help with cover-up, which I don't have. Yeah. Take, I know what you mean. Can't yeah, take both yeah. though. With the you can take both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can take both. 
as we'll see, if you're taking this, you might not want to take a couple of They just this is this is the issue I've had with some of the other replacements. Not to criticize mm. them overly. They just don't quite fit <laughs> with with the kind of the way Arkham normally works. It's like the mm. it's a it's a similar sort of slightly out of place feeling you get with the player council cards. Yeah. That you know, they're good cards, perfectly fine. It's just there's something a little bit off about them. It's interesting. That, slightly, slightly uncanny valley. I can relate to that. Yeah. Playing Jenny with the Green Man Medallion in another campaign, mm. just because I want to make loads of money and then get loads of free XP. But again, it just doesn't feel quite the same as running her mm. with her actual mm-hmm. weapons. I know, I know what you mean. I think again, like I said about the parallels, there's something about the way these were released. That obviously it's a book, and these are like it's a bit like finding the toy in the cereal. Mm. It's like, was this a cheaply made toy or is this the main purpose of this product? Yeah. And obviously, you know, we're attracted to buying these novellas because they have cards for the game. I've played with Mysteries of Remain a fair amount. I'd say the main thing it does, if you're running this instead of, is your choice for Roland is, do I lean into killing enemies for my ability? Yeah. In which case I move a little bit slower and I put tech in. Or do I lean into the fact that I can access Seeker 0 to 2 and I can go fast like a Seeker can? I can run movement, I can run loads of fast clue stuff, and I can try and just blast on. And Mysteries Remain really leans more into that side, I'd say. You run two copies of Working a Hunch and this, and particularly in solo, you're just, okay, that clue, that location's cleared, next one, next one, next one. And you try and limit the number of enemies you fight, a bit like Ursula, and just try and really outpace the encounter deck. Yeah. And I'd, I'd say it works. And particularly, actually, if you have five sanity, it's quite a good thing to not hang around. You don't want to loop your own deck. So you just want your deck to be packed full of fast clues and doing things quickly. What about the weakness? Yeah, let's jump onto that. And it is called, of course, the Dirge of Reason. So this is a madness weakness. Roland deck, Roland Banks deck only replacement. Revelation, place two of your clues on your location. If you cannot place all of your clues on your location... Take one horror and shuffle the Dirge of Reason back into your deck. Was the music a part of the dream, or the dream a part of the music? Graham Davis, the Dirge of Reason. Mm. <laughs> it's like the fantastic the, art. What's what's that character called in Mystery Men? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mysterio. Yeah. Is I it know. Ex- <laughs> I know exactly who. You oh, the Sphinx. Mean. That's it. <laughs> the Sphinx. Yeah. <laughs> you must conquer fear, or fear will conquer you. Apologies to Graham Davis if he's listening. Is this better or worse than cover art, and uh, what do you make of it? It is a good question. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I, it's nicer than cover up, I would say. I would say so. It doesn't it doesn't deal you mental trauma, right? So that's yeah. that's nicer. And yeah. picking up two clues is easier than picking up three clues. Ultimately, uh, maybe you only actually drop one clue. Yeah, or drop zero clues. Take a horror. You're going to see this again, but mm-hmm. that's not the end of the world. As a dirge, that's quite scary. a nice feeling that it just keeps on coming round and round. Yeah. And it's the dirge of reason. It's his instinct to do things correctly and that there must be an explanation for what he's facing. And it's that that is maddening for him mm. rather than what he's actually experiencing, which is nice flavour. So weird detail here. If you run both originals and replacements, dirge of reason as well as mysteries remain help you clear cover up because they have ways of dropping clues. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's like us almost, a, I, I don't know if it was intentional from Maxine, but there's almost a part of the design here, which is, wow, cover-up can really screw you over 
if you find it at a point when there are no clues left in the scenario. So having ways of adding clues or dropping clues that you're holding, kind of nice. Yeah, I think it's a lot mold milder than cover up. Again, because you could just power through a scenario. So again, it leads to that like Pacey Roland style, which I really like. This isn't a player card when the effect triggers, is it? Has it become a scenario card? When it's yeah, as soon as you've drawn it, it's okay. a treachery. That's so fine. it's a scenario card. You're just wondering whether press pass with well or research notes, yeah. But it's a player. Yeah. That's a player card ability. Uh, okay. Is is press pass when you drop clues or spend clues? <laughs> I just I, I'm on the the Arkham DB page for research notes, and mm. the the top line, the top review is it says this card is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has been tabooed. So yeah, press pass is after you spend one or more clues or place one or more clues on your location. Oh, so it, it triggers press pass. Yeah. Free action with dirge of reason. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I like the idea of Roland moonlighting as a reporter when he's actually. Yeah. <laughs> or he's like he's he's just slight he's undercover. Right? He's mm. pretending he's mm-hmm. he's an investigating investigative journalist. That's nice. Maybe maybe it makes sense if he's a a, a fed but he's bringing a press pass with him because it'll open doors for him. Why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the replacements the other thing is the the replacement art on Roland I really like. I think it's really cool. But yeah, the replacements are... They breathe new life for me into playing Roland solo because they were just a nice change up. And like I've said a couple of times, they lent into this faster style, which yeah. I really enjoyed. I think all day I'm taking the replacements because I don't think losing the 38 is makes a dent in the benefit of getting rid of cover-up. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think I'd much rather have these two than the other two. In multiplayer as well, in groups of three and four, you might be fulfilling a more enemy-killing role, but it doesn't actually matter if you have the special or not to do that. You can still run Mysteries Remain and just scoop a clue if you need it, and Mysteries Remain helps deal with if you've dropped clues, and you might then have people who A, can help with fighting enemies, and B, can help with getting clues. So it just sort of tightens up what you're doing as Roland, which I really like. Uh, I'll tell you what is nice, though is the mm. tension of positioning with the Dirge of Reason. Yeah. So you don't want to be... drop two clues. You yeah. want to be standing somewhere where you want to pick up clues easily by killing enemies, but mm. with Dirge of Reason, you risk dropping those clues back on that location. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> There's nice possibilities design. for some really nasty things happening, like dropping clues at a really high shroud location. Or behind a locked that door. That you don't or... want to linger in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. In blood on the altar like dropping them in the hidden chamber which you're trying to clear of clues it's like oh for goodness sake in return to lost in time and space there's an eight shroud location that you can drop things on so yeah there's some nasty things that happen in depths of yoth you can only explore if your location has no clues so that scenario can sometimes be oh i just really need to make sure this location's clear and i'll move on and then suddenly you've dropped a load of clues and you're like oh no i can't explore from here so yeah real nasty mixture <laughs> we don't often ask this any any upgraded cards that are worth keeping an eye on for roland i mean i've mentioned key of east <laughs> on on the hunt as well uh, which we on mentioned on the hunt pathfinder yeah uh, my cheeky upgraded Gret, I think, is good for many reasons. I know some people are fans of Alice Luxley as well to get the intellect boost in in Roland, so you get up, get up to intellect four at level zero. I find 
doesn't quite work because you normally want the enemies on you so you don't want to be investigating but in multiplayer you could be kind of chaining Alice Luxley and Roland's ability to be doing extra damage and so on and so forth it makes a lot more sense as well I'd say in Scarlet Keys when there's reasons to do that sorry that's not an upgraded card though is it yeah upgraded Gret um upgraded deduction if you're going the intellect boosting route upgraded vicious blow I mean these are Pretty vanilla choices, aren't they? What do we enjoy about Roland Banks, Peter? Well, I think... He's inspired a long-running joke for us. Yeah, well, yeah. He's such a... I mean, as a character, he's so... He's just a a real cliche, right? He fits Mm. into the setting so well. Or Mm -hmm. sort of all investigators are Roland Banks. Mm. Mm. At least I imagine them... Here's a bold statement. (laughs) You ready? Yeah, go on. Feel like he's almost a protagonist of Arkham. Oh, wow, yeah. I can imagine him being the lead investigator on any of the scenarios, except maybe mm, Forgotten mm. Age. So, so anyone you play who's not Roland, you're in some way sort of deviating from the... Yeah, the and like The way that your character responds to all the situations happening is mm-hmm. often like how I imagine Roland would be res- responding to it. Oh, wow, okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, is, is yeah, I know what you mean. The, yeah, you're reading the flavor text or something that's saying, you know, you you you're shocked to discover da 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 da, and you're like, okay, that's a very Roland reaction. And then you think about uh, what's what is it in 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 Carcosa? Like, you go to the the historic society, mm-hmm. and you're like, you, you you're going you're researching like old newspaper clippings in the research in the in the historical society, which is like. It's just quintessential Arkham, and it feels exactly like what Roland would do. Or you mm-hmm. go to the house, this is the Gilman house in mm-hmm. the Gilman yeah. house. Well, in... and after that, to go, where will we find witches? To the cemetery. Yes, that's very <laughs> for Wages of Sin. Yeah. No, I, 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 like the the kind I can of see that canon yeah. team. I can almost imagine as Roland, Daisy, and then someone else, some other kind of random mystic or someone just tagging along, yeah. maybe Jim. Yeah, interesting. Uh, but but yeah, yeah. I, I think that's thematically why I find him so compelling and there's there's a long standing joke on our discord as well about Dick Firearm sort mm-hmm. of Roland's yeah. like noir film alter ego yeah um, and pulpy the, version yeah the names of the films are always mashups of card names yeah um, scene of the hunch <laughs> scene of the hunch exactly so I, I, th- I, I like that about him but I also think his ability is strong automatically Mm -hmm. discovering a clue is such a strong ability and he Mm. enables being aware of positioning i'm such as is well discussed i'm quite a fan of movement tech and and moving i think it's Mm -hmm. an something that a lot of people don't think about too much he rewards good positioning which i like but also he enables lots of total nonsense plays in terms of making sure you're positioned well to exploit his ability. Yes, yeah. Uh, and then he encourages you to take cards, which work well. It's like a there's a nice which feedback you loop of the game. You, you're taking good cards and you're getting a good good feedback from them as well. Mm. And mm-hmm. I just think he's, he's satisfying to play when he, when he works. How about you? Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. I think, I suppose part of what I enjoy about him is he's a strong solo investigator and he was a real go-to early on when you're learning the ropes of the game and you get this nice similar feedback loop of if you kill an enemy you make progress and if you investigate you make progress there's that satisfying thing of feeling like i'm good at arkham we're doing this come on me and roland early on particularly he doesn't feel kind of locked out from doing certain things 
in a similar way, say, to playing Ashcan, where you've got Duke and using Duke a lot just rewards you for playing the game well. Yeah, he's shine he shone in that setting for sure. And then I think now I like him more because I suppose I'm more aware of some of the weaknesses and deficiencies of him as a character. So we've talked quite a bit about the five sanity and the risk of trauma. We've talked quite a bit about the flat stat line. And it's interesting revisiting thoughts about, yeah, he's really strong, or I've played too much Roland now, he's so good. And then looking back now and being like, wow, actually, I did quite well at the game in those early days with Investigator, who doesn't look like they're a stellar solo investigator, a stellar statline investigator. They're kind of middling. Kind of nice lesson to say, wow, you can actually be really good at the game with a 3-3-4-2 statline, which is nice. So yeah, that's part of my soft spot for Roland, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, I like that, yeah. Before we finish this episode, as we're in sort of reflective mood, we've also done 300 episodes now. Yeah, take. that is wild. Hmm. Is it? Is it actually... Have, have we got some that are unnumbered? Or is it definitely we 300? We've, I think we've got one unnumbered episode. So we should have made that a big like a f- deal of this last week. <laughs> yeah, Ofuda was our Ofuda. Sorry, was our pre our three hundredth episode, really? But no, this is the one we're calling three hundred. Yes. So what's 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 your what's your view after? Oh gosh, don't ask me that. Three hundred episodes, Frank. <laughs> it feels like we've come come to three hundred very quickly. Although the last I don't know year and a half, obviously the pace of the cast and the pace of the game has dramatically slowed down. So it's quite strange and quite disoriented to be here at 300. Yes. I have definitely had a dip in enthusiasm, as I've mentioned on previous casts, but it's funny being here now and recording and feeling like actually I'm very full of beans and quite excited for the future of the game and excited for the future of the cast as well and what we're talking about. So, yeah, at the moment it feels like, great, onwards and upwards. How about you? Yeah, (laughs) Sort of a lot of time and, and not much time at all. It's interesting listing. How do you think we've changed over the, the 300 episodes? Sorry, I'm firing multiple questions at you, Frank. Yeah, no clue. <laughs> <laughs> I wondered about going back and listening and then... You couldn't be bothered. <laughs> in, a, in a typical uh, Frank display lazy, of disdain for our listeners. No, and then I thought, will I find it incredibly cringe? (laughs) And will I be able to, you know, will I find that too much? And I don't know. You know, I've listened back to other episodes we've done. And obviously I listen to everything when I edit it. And I thought I'd like you'd like to think of yourself as improving and making progress. But maybe we sound exactly the same. And our takes would be what feel like hot takes at the time. But the passage of time would have made them seem very lukewarm. I don't know. What about you? What do you think? Do you think you've improved, changed, grown? Well, someone said... Degraded. <laughs> you have this this Venn diagram in your head of, of things you want to be good at, things mm. you'd like to think you're good at, and then there's things other people think you're good at. And the more those something sits in more than one of those circles, the, the kind of more satisfying it is. The Holy Trinity mm. is if... Mm. You're good at doing something that you want to be good at, and everyone else also thinks you're good at it. Wow. And yeah. it, it's... Interesting to get people's feedback on where you think your strengths lie. And and a couple of people we've talked to, I want to say it was someone like Saniela on our Discord. 
had said that they'd just done a re-listen of, of the whole lot, which is insane to me that someone would listen to everything we've recorded. <laughs> but but one of the comments that whoever it was had made was the this almost like a sense of self-confidence in what we want to do. And we feel more comfortable identifying topics we do and we don't want to cover. Mm-hmm. And comfortable with each other. And I, that's interesting as well, because I think that one of our strengths, Frank, is that sincerity we have and the openness we have with each other and with the audience as well. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately mm-hmm. that's the strength of podcasts, that it lets people feel very close to the people presenting. Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. we've talked yeah. between us on several occasions about how potentially like quite intimate situations people are listening to this podcast. Often mm-hmm. they're by themselves when they're listening to it, so we're their only company. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they can feel like quite, you know, we've been with them a long time, you know, they can feel quite close yeah. to us. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. that development of, of our relationship over the years is reflected then in, in podcast. Like we didn't know each yeah. other before we started yeah. really, did we? <laughs> no, no. And the amount of prep we did before we started, we had one conversation to check that we didn't hate each other. Yes. That was it. I mean, we chatted online, but like actually speaking to each other, we said, well, should we have a call and just, you know, <laughs> chat? Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. I remember the first the first thing you said was like it's it's like a little um, illicit affair we've been having. <laughs> it was the very first yeah. thing you said to me when when we spoke on the phone. Really, I think yeah. it was yeah because we've been How messaging. Forward of me. Well, yeah. I think we'd been messaging each other like a lot, and I was like, oh, it's good to finally actually speak to each to each other. And you were like, yes, it's like we've been having this little illicit affair or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like me. There's, I really like what you said about the idea that. There's you, there's me, and there's the listener. Mm-hmm. And that actually, as our relationship has grown, the other thing is that we've obviously grown with our listeners as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the two of us talking and knowing each other better. It's also that the listener feels they know us better. Yes. Because that relationship has grown in parallel, which is lovely. I mean, what a nice thing to get out of 300 episodes worth that people... I mean, it would be such a shame if we were 300 episodes in and people hated us by now. But, yeah, I, yeah well, I it's not. nice. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too. Maybe, you know, we've seen ebb and flow of, like, number of patrons, people coming and going. That makes sense to me. People fall in and out of love of the game and what we do is essentially tied to how people feel about this game as well. Yeah. Currently, anyway. But, yeah the idea that we'd be in on some sort of upward trajectory that people like what we're doing and want to hear more of it is really nice it's really rewarding it, it, really it grateful. is yeah yeah and I, but i think you know we wouldn't have done 300 episodes and still be finding new stuff to talk about i'll go back as as i always do to my thought early on which is i don't know how a podcast for a court game is going to actually last and <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. i think you know it has but it, we wouldn't have gone 300 episodes if there wasn't something in it, right? If if we Some didn't kind of the magic enjoy is. each other's <laughs> enjoy each other's company and, well, and enjoy exactly. talking about games. Yeah, behind the scenes, we have to be willing a to talk about what we want to put on the podcast, and then b to each of us separately make time to do it, to sit down to record, not saying that we need specific sympathy for that i don't think that's so hard to do but to do it up to 300 episodes means to keep doing that and to not let things get in the way of that or to find ways of doing it yeah yeah and i think that the key for me 
I'm I'm starting to get I don't know whether I'm rambling here or not, Frank. Mm-hmm. I still very much enjoy the process of recording. Mm-hmm. It's never been about the. It, it's the it's nice to have the kind of recognition, obviously, mm-hmm. that people say, "Oh, I enjoyed listening to that podcast." It's process versus outcome, Peter. This is where you're going to. Is that what I'm going so, to? What yeah, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> in in professional sport, it's become more and more common yeah. this idea of you can't control the outcome. Yes. And if your happiness is predicated on the outcome, we yes. won the game. Yay, I feel good. We lost the game. No, I feel terrible. Yeah. It's a really hard ride. Yes. But you can control the process. You can control turning up and enjoying training. You can enjoy being in the game and playing and the outcome will then take care of itself. Yes. No, I and totally agree. Yeah. That's exactly what you're saying, right? You enjoy sitting and recording. You enjoy talking about what we're going to record. And if there is a good outcome that people say, hey, that was a good episode, great. Yeah. And if there's an outcome where someone says, no, that episode really didn't do anything for me, okay. They're wrong, obviously, but... Yeah. And it's not that every episode needs to be good or you won't carry on. Yes. No, 100%. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I I don't think we would have come as far as we have. I don't think we would have recorded 300 episodes if if we Mm -hmm. weren't both Mm -hmm. enjoying the recording. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but but still, I I, st- I still feel that enjoyment when I sit down to talk about the game with you. Good or any I'm game, glad. really. I do too. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, the little cogs start whirring for us both. The mm. eyes light up, and we get excited. Yeah, right. Well, I feel like we should draw things to a close. Yes. So, final thought for me is thank you to all of our listeners who've been with us on this journey. If this is your first episode and you're just getting into Arkham, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. If this is your 300th, thanks for being along with us on the ride and hopefully we'll have a few more for you to listen to too. If someone has stuck with us the whole way, it would be lovely to hear from them as well and just, you know, any thoughts you want to share about your time with the game, then yeah, please let us know. It'd be lovely to read them. Yeah. Did you see on our Discord we had someone post... Um, A1 Mr. Sun posted they just logged their thousandth game of Arkham. Yes, I did. That's wild. Yeah. I mean, I have no and idea it, how many I've played. <laughs> yeah, it got me thinking as well. You know, most campaigns are obviously eight scenarios and then thinking, right, so how many times have I played each campaign? Can I calculate how many games I'm on? Am I close to a thousand? It's hard to know. A thousand seems like a lot. It does, yeah. But then the game came out in 2016 this time, so seven years ago. So, yeah, that's what, 2,200 days or something like that. Is that right? Yeah. 300 times 7, yeah, ish, 2,400 days. So it's like a game every other day, a scenario. Wow, it's still a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it <laughs> okay. is. Anyway, anyway, yeah, please, listener, if you want to share any thoughts you have about where you're at with the cast or listening from the beginning or when you got involved... We'd love to hear them. You can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook as well. And you can also become a patron. We're on Patreon. Just search for Drawn to the Flame on Patreon. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I am United in most places. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. I'm on Blue Sky and I'm on Discord and I'm on Reddit as United. And then I'm on Instagram as the.united. So if you see me around, please say hello. How about you, Frank? I'm FB on Blue Sky, and I've got a few invites as well. So if you're looking for a nice social media channel that you want to be a part of, drop me a message and I'll send you a Blue Sky invite. And then I'm around the place, Zooey Glass and Zozo. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you.